Welcome to the Beeson Podcast, coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University in Birmingham, Alabama. Now your host, Timothy George. Welcome to today's Beeson Podcast. Well, I have the privilege today of speaking to one of my very favorite people. His name is Colin Hansen. He is the editorial director for the Gospel Coalition and also a member of the advisory board of Beeson Divinity School. Welcome, Colin, to the Beeson Podcast. Thank you for having me, Dr. George. Now, I get to see you because, at least occasionally, because your office is here at Beeson. Uh, but I first met you when you worked for Christianity Today. And uh, I would come to the offices there. You had an office there. You were an associate editor of CT. Tell us a little bit about how you got from CT to the Gospel Coalition. So at Christianity Today, I started as the copy editor and then moved on to being associate editor in charge of news, but also dabbled in politics and theology, and theology often uh, came across your work and, and depended on that and benefited from that as I had back from when I was in college. I'm um, continuing on. So I had intended to become a pastor, so I enrolled at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School uh, north of Chicago and did that for three years. But the Lord decided that he wanted to send me on a different path. And uh, one of my professors there was Don Carson, a New Testament scholar. And he had just years earlier started a ministry called the Gospel Coalition with Tim Keller. And I'd been interested in this organization from from its beginning, basically. I had covered it in 2007, their first meeting in Chicago. And I was really captivated both by the confessional vision, this kind of broadly reformed biblical perspective to be able to seek um, seek renewal within the evangelical church, but then also I was captivated by this concept of theological vision, this idea that it's one thing to to believe, but another thing to put those beliefs into practice. And so much of what we see going wrong is this disconnect between belief and practice. And so I was really excited about that vision. And when um, Dr. Carson had invited me to join as the editorial director to oversee all of our different editorial initiatives, um, it seemed clear the Lord was leading me toward that opportunity. Now, another one of your teachers at Trinity was my good friend John Woodbridge. And you and John have written a book together. Tell us just a little bit about that book. Yeah, so Dr. Woodbridge is actually somebody you put me in contact with um, when I was discerning whether to go to seminary and what to do, and he became a great mentor and a friend. Um, Dr. Woodbridge is one of those people that I think when someday we have opportunity to reflect on his life on earth, so many of us will think that he was our best friend. And we'll <laughs> see hundreds of other people who felt the same way. He was uh, instrumental in guiding me at Trinity uh, in my writing in particular, to write to build up and to edify the church. And uh, he had always wanted to write something on revival, this idea that that we'd lost in the evangelical church for whatever reason, maybe through kind of even some of our naturalistic assumptions, the idea that perhaps we don't have revival today because we don't ask for it anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, and as I was sitting in his classes on Christianity and we're, uh, kind of history of Christianity, I started to to see these spectacular works of God throughout time, and it became a tremendous opportunity and blessing to to spend my time during seminary reflecting on these movements um, from the Reformation through the Great Awakenings through the businessmen's revivals, um, going even through the neo-evangelical um, awakenings in America in the 1940s and 50s. 
I, it was a very edifying and life-changing um, experience for me. It's a wonderful book. I recommend it. Um, now, back to the Gospel Coalition. I, it's hard for me to believe that you're under 10 years old as a movement. Yeah, so just right at 10 years now. And so the idea originated with Don Carson talking with Tim Keller, who had planted a church in, in New York City and had seen that church double in size overnight with the September 11th attacks. Um, Carson and Keller had had been meeting and getting to know each other and, and recognizing a need to Call evangelicals back to keep the keep the gospel at the center of everything we do to make it our one and only priority, um, which seems obvious in some ways. But we've seen how the evangelical movement veers off in many different directions, in political directions, and veers off into in political identities, and veers off in theological directions, and doesn't resemble much of that movement that emerged after World War II with people like Henry and Conser and Akengay and Graham. And so the, out of that meeting, um, back in the early 2000s, they called together a group of pastors, about 50, uh, to see if there might be an opportunity to bring together a renewal movement for our own day. Every invitation they issued was, was answered with a yes. And, um, they first gathered back in, in 2005. The foundation documents would come the next year. I referred to those earlier, our confessional statement and theological vision. And the first event was in 2007. Um, 500 people up at Trinity, and then our first national event for the whole public was 2009, and then I had come on board in 2010. It's just an amazing work of God in our time, how this gospel coalition has arisen to speak uh, a word of grace and truth into our world that so desperately needs it, and um, the response is terrific. I, I want to ask you about, in particular, um, two of our alums, whom you know very well, Betsy Childs Howard, recently married. Hi, Betsy. And Mally Drew Taylor, Taylor, also <laughs> recently married. Hi, Mally. Uh, two of our very finest students. Betsy actually worked for us on staff here at Beeson before taking a job with the Gospel Coalition after she married. Tell us, give us a little update, those who know uh, Betsy and Mally, and what are they doing in connection with the Gospel Coalition? Uh, we're, we're very, we're delighted to be able to work with them, uh, got to know. I, one of the reasons I took the go- job with the Gospel Coalition, we're a remote Organization, We have no headquarters. And so I really wanted to be in Birmingham, to be around Beeson Divinity School, to be around our church, Redeemer Community Church. And so one of the greatest blessings of moving to Birmingham was getting to know Betsy here at Beeson and then also Mally through our church. And then subsequently she enrolled at, at Beeson and completing her, completed her MATS degree here. Um, both of them play key roles in, in what we're doing. Mally especially allowing us to expand our women's initiatives, which have been going since our National Women's Conference in 2012. And that has just grown exponentially. Um, our next event in Indianapolis in 2016 in June, uh, Beeson is going to be a, an exhibitor there, which we're excited about. Uh, so Mally's coordinating those women's initiatives and allowing us to to, to branch out into regional training workshops for women to teach the Bible. That's really the distinctive um, uh, characteristic of our women's initiatives, teaching women to teach other women the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And we just see an absolute hunger for that. Betsy is is doing wonderful things for us. She's spearheading our efforts to turn New City Catechism, which is 52 questions and answers that Keller had developed based on Heidelberg and Westminster mostly, but updating it for today to help parents to guide their kids through that. Betsy will be helping leading that into print publication. 
where it's only been digital. And she also, as she did for many years for Beeson, she's heading up our podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's uh, helped us branch out with new things like uh, TGC Word of the Week, which is a sermon uh, each week to encourage and to challenge. And that's sponsored by Beeson Divinity School, for which we're very thankful. Thank you so much. And this National Women's Conference that you mentioned is going to be in Indianapolis, June 16 through 18, 2016. And I don't guess men can come, can they? No, it's, it's, uh, we haven't, we actually have more women than men attending our national conferences, which is interesting. Our national conference is open to anybody. Um, but it's, I, the Women's Conference is my favorite event that we do. That you just to see the hunger for women to know God's word and to teach it to others in evangelism and discipleship in whatever relationships, whether they're in the workplace or in the church or with their children or just with one another in discipleship relationships, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. And to see that go from, um, you know, from the early days where it wasn't a high priority for us, but to get around to it and to see it grow and to see that demand is pretty amazing. So, yeah, most of the people coming to our events are women, and most of the people reading our website are women. So it's a it's a great opportunity just to, to serve however we can to see what God's doing um, among women. And our own Kristen Padilla is going to be there in Indianapolis, so um, it's going to be a great event. I'm so glad you all have this vision for biblically-oriented uh, preparing and teaching of women uh, of God for this this moment. Now, I want to get back to your writing, Colin, because you're a writing machine. I mean, that's <laughs> all I can say. You do about a book a month. Uh, your most recent book is called Blind Spots, Becoming Courageous, Compassionate, and Commissioned as a Church. It's by Crossway. Uh, tell us a little bit about Blind Spots. So Blind Spots, I think, has a lot to do with this concept with my work with you at Christianity Today, my seeing your leadership here at Beeson Divinity School, and then also seeing Beeson alumni work out that vision at my own local congregation, Redeemer Community Church in Avondale in Birmingham, I started to notice that when you see ministries and institutions that represent the fullness of Christ in his, in his courage, in his compassion, and in his great commission to make other disciples, it offers such a strong contrast to what we see elsewhere in the world, mm. where different Christians seem to be strong in one area mm. and end up fighting with Christians who are strong in the other areas. And so you have some people who are great at, well, just, you know, they're, they're really strong to stand for biblical truth, but they're not particularly nice about it, and they're not particularly evangelistic. Um, they, they don't take it a lot of... It seems a contradiction in terms, but I know what you're saying is true. Yeah, so so they like the Jesus who overturns the tables, but they don't like the Jesus who weeps over Jerusalem the same way. So uh, you also see uh, church Christians who are commissioned, they want to do anything possible to be able to reach people for Christ, which is an absolutely wonderful goal, and we see the key dimensions to contextualization, and especially the Apostle Paul's ministry. The problem is, though, in our own day with commissioned Christians, sometimes it looks like a syncretism or a compromise with the world. Um, they, you lose what's distinctive about the gospel, and it devolves into therapeutic forms that are more accommodated to our age than to scriptures. The way I put that is a social gospel that's all social and no gospel. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. And Absolutely. that's indeed uh, been a plague on the church. But what you're calling for is... Not a syncretism, but a symbiosis of these three things, courage, compassion, 
and the Great Commission. Yeah, I think about Jesus' ministry at the cross, and, you know, was it his courage who took him that took him there? And of course it was at some level to, to imagine what he endured physically and otherwise from the Romans, from the Jewish leaders. And, um, but then was it his compassion? Well, of course, his great love for God so loved the world that he sent his son, Jesus. And, and that's what he was, he was doing this out of love. At the same time, he was fulfilling that very commission that the Father had given him. Um, and so it's, it's disappointing to see how we separate these different dynamics. I think about the Beatitudes, and it seems like we all like one or two or three of the Beatitudes, but we don't like all of them. So the meekness people don't tend to be the blessed are you when you're persecuted or reviled for my name. Yeah, and, and so I'm wondering, but, but when you see leaders and places like Beeson where you bring them all together, it stands out. And in my own ministry at the Gospel Coalition, I'm blessed to work with a number of those leaders. One of them is Tim Keller. And I think that explains to a lot of people why he stands out in our day and age. He's, uh, the church, as a church planter, he's practically unparalleled in expanding other church plants around the world through Redeemer City to City. So there's the commission side. His first book was on, on deacons and then on mer- ministries of mercy and their hope for New York ministry is doing amazing work. And then, uh, in the name of Jesus, for compassion, and then also as a as a confessional Presbyterian standing for biblical truth in a difficult place like Manhattan, he certainly is a courageous preacher as well. So the book is not just a critique of churches, but also hopefully a positive explanation for why certain leaders reach different audiences that are often fighting among themselves. Since we're talking about Tim Keller, I want to tell you one of the most remarkable sermons I have ever heard by Tim Keller was the Sunday after 9-11. Yeah. His text was John 11, Jesus wept. And there in a city that was absolutely shattered and distraught, as our whole country was and much of the world, by that atrocious, uh, amazing event of evil, uh, he was able to take a gospel text and speak into the lives of people in a way that was both truthful to who Jesus Christ was, what sin is and what it can do, and also healing that comes from the tears of Jesus and the wounds of Jesus on the cross. It's a remarkable sermon. I think it's available from Redeemer, but I'd encourage everybody to listen to it. One of the great sermons I've heard in my life. Yeah, I'm blessed to, blessed to work with him. Uh, it's, a, it's a great privilege when you can work alongside and for people whose work has benefited you so much uh, personally. Um, I, I just I think of those different books that I have on my shelf and and um, and it's just it's a it's a great honor to have uh, he wrote the foreword for Blind Spots which was which an honor to be able to um, uh, to to extend that ministry of what I've seen of him to to help other people to understand it and to emulate it themselves and I'm excited that next year on Election Day uh, Tim is going to be coming to Birmingham for our Faith and Work series here at. Beeson Divinity School. So we look forward exciting. to welcoming him uh, back to Birmingham. Blind Spots is the name of this newest book by Colin Hansen, Becoming Courageous, Compassionate, and a Commissioned Church. It's published by Crossway. It's not a long book, but it's a deep book, and it's a very interesting book to read, and I recommend it to you. Now, I've got to ask you, we're almost out of time, but the first book I think you wrote, uh, certainly the book maybe for which you're still best known, 
was published in 2008, also by Crossway, and it was entitled Young, Restless, and Reformed. Those three words have almost become a moniker for uh, a mood, an era, an epoch. What was it that you put your finger on back then in 2008, the new Calvinism, the new Reformed movement, whatever you want to call it, young, restless, Reformed? I suppose the young, or not the people in 2008 were young, are beginning to get sort of middle-aged now, like, like you. But uh, well, tell us about this movement, kind of what drew your attention to it, and where is it today, um, what, um, so many years later? Yeah, so the book uh, followed two years after the cover story on Christianity Today. So next year will be 10 years since that original article. I spent a lot of time thinking about it since then and and seeing how things have changed. The major changes uh, have been at once um, this movement is is more mainstream uh, than it was back then. There were some people at the time who doubted whether I was describing something real happening at all. But at the same time, um, it's gone through a lot of growth pains. Um, a lot of that's one thing when you're dealing with young ministers is they don't necessarily have the true proven track record of moral integrity and faithfulness over the course of time. So when you go back and through the book, you're going to see a lot of names of people who are not in the ministry any longer or have who have a, uh, reputations have been severely tarnished. Um, but I think overall the encouraging dimension is that in our era, when everything is tried to be, is tried, is made to be about us, the individual, the sovereign self, and our search for expressive individualism, this biblical doctrine, um, this doctrine of the providence of God and the supremacy of God in all things, Bus open those categories and opens your opens the believer's heart and mind and spirit to a God who is good in all that he does, um, including his work of salvation, and who calls us to something bigger than ourselves, calls us to a cause that is greater than whatever our individual wants and pursuits might be. And I think that's the ultimate basis for what I described, and people have found a home in Reformed theology um, to pursue that vision, which is not surprising because it's a, it's a historic, powerful doctrine. It's not new in the church. So it's part of the process of tapping into those or to following down those old paths um, at a time when we're told that whatever is new is better. But we know that for the believer, that can't be true because God's word is true um, yesterday, today, and and forever. And, um, and that's the essential mood. And Seen those those pastors and those other people wrote, uh, grow up, and it's encouraging to see the churches planted, the people come to faith, um, the ministries that have grown and prospered, and um, it's it's a mixture of of joy and sadness looking back these last ten years. But I think that's true of ministry in general. A renaissance of grace, let's call it that. You know, when people ask me what is Reformed theology, the very heart of it, the, the, what I think of is a hymn, not written by a Calvinist, but a Methodist, Charles Wesley. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? A wonderful hymn. Well, we're almost out of time, but I, I do want to say a word about your beautiful wife, Lauren, and your little boy, Carter. You're now a father, a daddy. Tell us what that's like. Uh, it's been wonderful, especially to be here in Birmingham, um, uh, just to to be around my wife's family and to see him grow up in the same kind of footsteps that his mother uh, grew up in. And it's been this is such a supportive 
place. Um, and it's just a delight to see how our our community really honors families and encourages parents and supports them. And it was a long time coming for us. It was a supernatural work of God is the only explanation how after years and years and years of trying, finally we were, we were blessed with a son and, and we don't take that for granted. And he is a, a wonderful little, little guy and he just brings joy to us and to, to many others as well. So we're blessed as, as his stewards in many ways of this, um, of this work of God. My guest today on the Beeson podcast has been Colin Hansen. He is the editorial director for the Gospel Coalition. He's a member of Redeemer Community Church in Birmingham and a member of the Beeson Divinity School Advisory Board. Thank you, Colin, for this wonderful conversation. Thank you, Dr. George. You've been listening to the Beeson podcast with host Timothy George. You can subscribe to the Beeson Podcast at our website, BeesonDivinity.com. Beeson Divinity School is an interdenominational evangelical divinity school training men and women in the service of Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast will aid and encourage your work, and we hope you will listen to each upcoming edition of the Beeson Podcast.